In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. And now back to our conversation with Mitch Schultz. Welcome back, Mitch. It's good to be here again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, last... had, we had to sit around this, old, this table for a whole week to do this. I know. This. I, wow. I've been, been waiting to hear how this story is <laughs> oh. going to conclude here. So uh, just to catch us up, you had uh, been raised in uh, Indonesia as a child. You'd moved all over the place, got religious training, had some kids, moved to Europe for missionaries. Your wife has a brain tumor, you find out. You move back to the States and to bring your family uh, back to the north uh, Georgia, northwest mm-hmm. of Atlanta area. Or northeast of Atlanta area, and now your twelve-year-old son, your oldest son, is experiencing dizziness. Yes, yeah, my my take, wife. Take right yeah, there. we we had arrived back to the states from Europe, where we'd spent uh, seven years uh, pastoring a church. We when I mentioned ten years in the last program, it was the number of years that we were with the mission. Hmm. A couple of those years were here in the states, and uh, yeah, my wife my wife entered uh, rehab right away as soon as we got here because she had lost all of her from the brain tumor, her abilities to talk, to read, write, hmm. comprehension was also very challenging, and. Uh, um, and there, and my son Travis, uh, phenomenal soccer player, uh, just you know, mentioned that the coach would take him out because he was t- scoring too many goals. Um, he wasn't trapping the ball. I remember watching him practice one time. I thought that's odd. And uh, this went on for a couple days, and we, uh, the pediatrician. Um, uh, Pink- Beth Pinkerton uh, was a little increasingly concerned about his uh, some of these symptoms, and uh, she thought maybe he was just dehydrated. Uh, but it ended up being such a concern to her that she recommended. And actually, within a week or so, he wasn't even walking. I remember oh my uh, taking him to my daughter's soccer game and literally holding him as he was walking. Uh, there. And uh, so we went to Gainesville, where we are today, and yeah. went to the uh, MRI center, I forget the name of it, and uh, and had, he had an MRI done. And my parents who live in Tacoa were with us, Elaine's, my wife's parents were visiting from Indianapolis, and there was uh, probably about 20 of us in the room. When the doctor came in, the, the surgeon came in with the results of the MRI, and uh, he immediately said, your son has a brain tumor. My God. And this is a month after, about six weeks after my wife had come out of the hospital with uh, recovering herself from a brain what, tumor. What's the reaction in the room and in you? At that uh, I think shock. Um, my, my MO is delayed shock, so I'm always okay, and these things catch up with me uh, <laughs> months, years later. And particularly with my wife's situation, I had to focus so much on taking care of my family and her yeah. that in my case, it was years later that uh, all of this really hit me. Uh, but I was, I was. I think I, that's common for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. I, it's, it's. I think it's God's grace. It's, it's cushioning. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I describe it as like going to the dentist and you're given the Novocaine. Mm. To numb it, the hardest work you don't you don't the hardest uh, thing happening you don't feel. Mm. It's when it wears off you feel it, and that's the wow. same with grief. Um, but yeah, my reaction actually my reaction was when when are you going to do surgery? Mm. And the surgeon said uh, there's this is not operable, and that that was those words stung. I remember oh my gosh. Just, I remember experiencing a level of shock there, and uh, and this wonderful doctor, his name his last name was Phillips, kneeled down next to my son, and, um, and this is still emotional and vivid to me. He, he had one hand on my son's knee, 
And he said, uh, he said, Travis, this, this, this is not good. You, you will not survive this. And, mm. um, but it's, but it's okay. He said something that just helped to, to really bring some level of, of peace to it. Uh, and, and Travis had one tear down his cheek, you know, and, and so we, we had to take a couple of days to absorb it. We had to follow up, I think, the next day just to understand what this was. And he had a brainstem glioma, a, a growth, a, a tumor actually on his brainstem, uh, which is a control center for your entire body. And that's what was happening as this tumor was growing, shutting wow. down his system. Uh, we were told that if uh, we had done nothing, he'd be dead in three weeks, three to four weeks. It oh, was that it's serious. It's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but he had radiation treatment. We took him for six weeks every single day for except for weekends, and um, and he uh, and uh, you know twenty seconds of radiation go home. Do that every single day, and um, and it, it reduced the tumor by seventy percent. He was actually back to playing soccer within wow. four or five, uh, three to four months. Oh my gosh. Uh, so but you had a, a great hope then at this point. Well, no, we did not because we we were realistic. We this was when the internet was starting to become pretty uh, accessible. Yeah. And um, whether it was a mistake or not, I did a lot of research, and there were there were testimonials of people that had lived up to five years. That was the best. So um, is your wife um, at this point? She's still mm. trying to gain cognitive uh, <laughs> reality and all of that. Is she? <clears throat> Uh, kind of in this with you, do you feel like, or do you yes, feel like you're alone? Yes, yes, yeah. In fact, she uh, she was back to driving. She was able to. Okay. Um, we I did cheat on the test, the driving test, because we had <laughs> she had a, we had British license, and I actually asked the guy at the license center. I said, "Can I help her?" He goes, "Sure." I answered every question for her. That's kind of a confession, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Years and later, I hope you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I think the statute of limitations is over on that. <laughs> You know, she was independent. She was starting to cook at home. She continued to to work with uh, with therapy. So she was realizing what this. She was fully was. aware that the the hardest thing. Uh, this struck me, Mark, only a few years ago. I don't know why I mentioned that. I'm I'm a little slow on the take here um, in in reacting to things. Uh, but the year that her son was dying, she uh, was not able to really communicate well with him. And mm-hmm. and Norma, I mean, she was she's been such even now she's such an involved mom. She she was such a nurturer. She invested everything into their lives. And uh, and but that was a year she had to suspend all that to work on herself. And that overwhelmed me that the year the year that her son was dying. Uh, mm-hmm. She she was not able to really communicate well with them. Uh, now, fortunately, the mission allowed me to be home with them. I was actually on on medical leave for two and a half years, mm-hmm. and that whole event, her story and his, was about a year, year and a half, and uh, and then they gave me an additional year after that. Wow. But his symptoms came back um, in in May of '99, and um, he was within a, uh, a week in a wheelchair. And within another month, um, only able to lie down on the couch. And um, uh, two weeks before he passed away, we did something crazy as a family. Uh, we had Make-A-Wish come, and oh, uh, when he was still able to talk, you know, what would you like to do? And the, the only reasonable thing and accessible thing was uh, uh, going on a, on a houseboat on Lake Lanier. 
which is oh, just down the road yeah. here. It's, you can and see it through yeah, the trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so oh, that's right. There it is. Um, My goodness. And so we actually did that, and he was in a coma the entire entire four days that we were there. We thought, and I'll, I'll tell you what happened oh, when we got back home. I mean, we left him, put him in the water. He could move his eyes, but he was not able to. And I, I look back at that. It was crazy that we did something like that as a family. But my daughter, Brianna, uh, who was, I think, 10 at this point, just may, uh, not quite 10, she, she kept saying this, is a, or later, a few weeks later, it was the best vacation we ever went on. <laughs> and I think what it did is it demonstrated Brianna and Brett that we're not going to let this keep us from being a family, wow. from doing things together as a family. Wow. And uh, we've remained extremely close. In oh. fact, my daughter lives in Tacoma. That's partially why we live there. She's yeah. married and, and has a four-year-old uh, daughter. Or, yeah, so my granddaughter's four. And, um, and so, yeah, so we, we, at the end of that four days, we took him back, and he was um, on, a, on the couch lying down. His eyes were opening, were opened, uh, he was sleeping a lot, and uh, my wife Elaine had an alphabet chart sitting there that she was using that to help with her recovering of her alphabet letters. Mm. And I remember lifting it up in front of Travis, and because uh, he could move his right arm a little bit, and I said, "Travis, and I thought I'm just going to try this. Uh, can you?" you want to say anything? And he spelt out, I want to go to the Gruber's pool. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he spelled out every letter. So we said, okay. So we called the Gruber's family Mm -hmm. friends, uh, put him in the van, took him over and put him in the water, you know? So we had that ability to communicate with him. He He loved the water. Um, and then he, uh, he passed away about two weeks, three weeks after that. And, My goodness. So uh, he was about 13? He was shy, two months shy of his 13th birthday. My goodness. Yeah. Wow. I know if you're listening to this right now, this may be um, stirring up emotions in you. Um, just want to just wanna pray God's grace over you, uh, just as God's grace has just covered the Schultz family uh, through these difficulties, these challenges. Uh, and here you are today, still mm. giving God praise, mm. still working for the Lord. Uh, how's your wife? She's she's well. She uh, takes care of her ninety-three year old uh, father in her house. Okay. But she she has um, she's reclaimed a lot, of particularly speech. Yeah. Uh, she's not relearned. Um, I mean, certainly not to the extent she did before to read and write. Uh, she can. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll leave it at that. She she's she's, she's she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. So where does a father of now two kids uh, mm-hmm. living, one in heaven, mm-hmm. um, and a wife uh, and a, with a ministry. Where do you go from there? Well, you know, again, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you have, I think this is in reference to suffering as, as being, mm-hmm. you know, shaping in our lives, that we face like things like this. You, you either have the choice to embrace the gospel or to reject it. You can either be angry or uh, accepting of what has happened to you. And, uh, you know, and of course, the more pleasant choice is to embrace the gospel, to accept that this is, you know, if you really, I, I often will say that if you, if you really honestly believe in the sovereignty of God, uh, you will accept what happens to you. I mean, that sounds kind of cliche-ish, yeah. but those who have been tested with it will say, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he's so providential. He's so faithful. He's so yeah. good. Uh, scripture proves it. Our, our lives has pr- uh, been proven even in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you rebound, you move on. We, we went from there to Milwaukee where we were in a large church. I was on staff there. That was really healing. Was it? 
And, uh, and yeah, I've five, never heard that before. I've never heard move to Milwaukee. And really <laughs> <do it. laughs> That's because the community was great. It was a great community. Oh, okay. oh awesome. It was just and amazing. Not the, wasn't the weather. The weather, worked, weather no. was terrible. <laughs> the weather was terrible. Yeah, I think that's when my back went out from <laughs> snow blowing, uh, snow plowing. Um, but yeah, so we, we just, we just you know, had a deep sense that God, um, that we want to be obedient to him and my life passion has been pastoring. My life passion has been discipling people. And, and what better way to invest in others, you know, out of your own story, out mm-hmm. of your own, in, in our case, our own tragedy. And uh, so we went from there to pastor a larger uh, church in Franklin, North Carolina, which was a hard church. That's where I experienced the crucibles of ministry mm. for the first time in my, in my life and in, in my ministry. Um, and then about six years ago, uh, started a, we, we resigned from there and started the ministry that I do now, which is Fruitful Vine Ministry, which provides support and encouragement to pastors that are going through difficult times. I am really interested in that. I, I think you know the majority of our listeners are probably uh, folks who you know work for a living mm-hmm. or stay-at-home moms or maybe retire or whatever. Uh, I I don't know how many pastors listen, mm-hmm. but I also uh, think that most people don't understand the challenges that pastors go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, many folks I know assume that if you're a pastor, well, you know you get to pray all day and read the Bible all day and you know say nice mm-hmm. things and. Uh, people give you tickets to ball games, and you know life is good. <laughs> but you've seen another a different side of that, mm-hmm. haven't you? Yeah, I mean it's you know any job is hard. I think sometimes we it's easy for me to focus uh, you know what I do uh, the hardships being in ministry, but it's unique. I mean Forbes magazine, I did a podcast on this, uh, identified uh, pastoring as the fifth hardest job. In really? America, really, and it's uh, it, you know it comes. I think I think because it is a spiritual environment. There are certain assumptions of the pastor. The pastor has certain assumptions of people that uh, when you come to this environment, uh, biblical principles and and uh, you know integrity and values will overwhelm this place. Well, there's people that are carnal, <laughs> that act carnally. And the pastor is also carnal and struggles with his flesh, and yeah. uh, and and so it's yeah. I mean, it's but it, again because it is a spiritual vocation, I think the enemy can exploit that. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of what we, a lot of what I do is to, uh, in fact, the the purpose of my podcast is to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. Huh. Uh, so everything did... I want to do with pastors that are struggling, church leaders, is give you because it's going to be hard. Uh, so I want you to have courage, and then also perspective, and those are the kind of the two principles that we work with. And how did you come up with the name Fruitful Vine Ministry? Well, it's from uh, Joseph Blessing or Jacob Blessing, his sons, huh. and I didn't want to choose the blessings where or the curses where some of his sons were given the raw end. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, he was rough with some of his sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't exactly recall the specifics now, but Joseph, he said, "You will be a fruitful vine." Uh, whose uh, whose vines will climb, you know, over the walls, and uh, your hand will be steady uh, as you hold the bow. I'm paraphrasing yeah. it in the mighty arm of God. And wow. so I thought, uh, you know, here's here's a blessing on Joseph that he'll be a fruitful vine, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what we want to see. Uh, you know, pastors to be fruitful. Uh, I, I mean, Joseph's story was horrible, and um, yet in the end, God chose to use him in a phenomenal way. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's where that came from. And, and so what, what kind of ministry do you provide pastors? 
Well, a, a lot of uh, I mean, it's it, it's it's varied. I do I do marriage counseling. Um, uh, I'll have pastors call me and just say, "Hey, I'm you know I'm in transition and I don't know what to do, don't know where to go." A couple pastors recently they've been let go from their church, and so they're they're having to process that. Um, the piece that I love right now, I mentioned earlier that I meet with a group of pastors in town for mentoring. Uh, younger guys, and a lot of that's preventive. You know, it's just to give them the stuff. You know, to be resilient in ministry. Stuff that they'll look back on one day and Hopefully, draw from. Yeah, right? except usually you don't learn lessons until you go through hard times. So it's, <laughs> isn't that it's kind of uh, kind of futile, isn't it? Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard there's an old uh, old quote that life is a wonderful teacher, but her tuition is extremely high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the cost is high. You're reminding me of a scripture in John 15, of course, that whole vine and branches. That's Mm -hmm. where I actually Mm -hmm. thought you got Mm -hmm. it from. I was really surprised. It's a great New Testament parallel to it, yeah. But in 15, uh, 7 through 9, it's one of my favorites. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my mm-hmm, disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I sometimes um, pastors, I know the pastors that I, I run around with and work with, they they may see themselves as pastors, but not necessarily disciples. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the difference there? Wow. Well, I would, I don't know if I would see a difference. Um, I, I understand how it has become viewed that way. Um, I would understand a pastor's being a shepherd, and it's hard, it's hard. It's been hard for me to pastor without investing, hmm. particularly in guys. That's been a high value to me. I'm mean, even now with my ministry. I'm I look for ways to meet with guys and and just just encourage. And I I'm encouraged by that as well. Yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah. I mean, discipleship is is an intentional. Um, uh, Process or commitment to uh, invest the, the, in the life of a, of another person, and with the view of them growing in Christ and being fruitful and exhibiting the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that happens uh, on its own. I mean, you leave a guy, you leave a child alone, a baby. They don't grow on their own. They right. need help, you know. And I think the same is true with believers oh, or man. young believers. That uh, I've not met someone who's been mature and and productive in their life that has not been invested in by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I love the word intentional you used. Mm-hmm. I think so many times we think, well, you know, I know as a pastor for years I did that. Part of my testimony is I just did spiritual things and hoped something would stick, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I had no intentional process mm-hmm. or plan. Yeah, and it sounds like you do. What have you found? effective in discipling uh, other men, regardless of what they do? Because I imagine you've discipled people that aren't pastors as well, right? Yeah, well, that's that's what I did as a pastor. Yes. Uh, in fact, even now, we're, uh, I'll, I'll share briefly in a bit yeah. here what, what I'm doing now. Uh, but when I pastored, I every church I was at, and again, I did this for about 34 years, uh, I would find a group of guys, three or four guys, and we'd go through something together. You know, we'd choose. And the, towards the latter part of my ministry or pastoring, um, it's funny how you do this. I, I just started using the Bible uh, and go through the Bible <laughs> just together. Just kind of land it's on like, that yeah, as a Yeah, yeah. I mean, every young man's, every man's battle, things like that were great books. Yeah. Uh, you know, Man in the Mirror or whatever those books were, great books. But I think there's something about... You you teach other men how to study the Bible when you're studying the Bible with them, <laughs> and uh, and I'd always choose, I'd ask six seven guys, hey, can I have uh, six to nine weeks of your life? 
So there was always an expiration date on it. Mm-hmm. It didn't overwhelm them. And, uh, and some guys, they'd want to keep coming back in whatever group I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, and the, you know, the benefit of this is the relationships that are developed uh, between you and, and other guys. Yeah. Uh, and so even now, I mean, we had um, – we live in a neighborhood. It's a circle. It's called Esatoi Circle. And uh, we've gone to – it's 30 by 30 homes, and we've never lived somewhere. We've gone to know neighbors the way we have here. And three women at uh, a cookout came to me – or actually came to Lane, and then they came to me, and they said, would you start a Bible study in our neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So last Sunday night, we had our first one. We had 14 people there. How about that? Now, some of those are from the church where I'm attending. Yeah. And, um, and that, that's discipleship. Uh, you know, a few of these women I, are not churched. And wow. um, and so and our our hope is that husbands will come and there's some others who are not mm-hmm. believers in the community and uh, so I, it's been it's been cool I uh, in fact when I moved here I thought how you know how are we going to invest in people how are we going to disciple yeah and this just kind of happened naturally it was very organic it really it's not easy but it's simple mm-hmm. you get, gather a group of folks together you invest several uh, weeks months years in them you mm-hmm. use the scripture as your textbook. And God grows them. Yeah. It's just the way yeah. it works, isn't it? You yeah. love each other. We, we often say that discipleship is a content-based relationship. Mm-hmm. You have the relationship, but the content scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really isn't. Yeah. And I can't, I can't affirm that enough uh, for you. So um, I was at a funeral last week, mm. and I heard a pastor conducting that funeral, and he said something interesting. The lady that had passed away, he met her in a grocery store. He had come to this church. He was new. They didn't know each other. And they were small talking in the produce section or something, and then they were about to part, you know, kind of a see you later. Mm-hmm. And she grabbed him by the arm. Now, he's telling the story about the lady that's in the casket, right? She grabbed him by the arm and said, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Mm-hmm. And her story was, she said to him, I was raised by a pastor. My father was a pastor, and I understand the challenges that you face. Mm. And he said, I never forgot that moment. Wow. Here's a woman in a grocery store wanting to pray a blessing over a pastor. Wow. Should be the other way around, right? Shouldn't the pastor always initiate the prayer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember hearing that story, Mitch, and thinking, you know, few congregants really understand the challenges that pastors go through. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're doing with pastors and finding uh, fruitful or helpful mm-hmm. for them? Uh, again, I, I, you know, when I meet with guys, I don't ever talk them out of what they're going through because I, mm. I think there's there's value in it for them. Um, that might sound strange to say that, but I, I do think that again, God's sovereign and providential. And I mean, we, you know, people make mistakes. I think there's things to that could be avoided. Um, but when I when I talk to guys, I. I I let them know, hey, I I can't change what you're going through, and I can't even change how this has affected you, uh, but I can help you process it. And again, this is why those two themes of courage and perspective when serving gets hard is so is so important. Um, and courage and courage comes. I mean, that we need endurance. You know, we need to be tough. We need to be. We need to gut stuff out. You know, that's why my podcast is called "Before You Quit." Oh, tell us you a little know? bit about the, 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 if somebody wanted to hear that podcast. What would yeah, they go? the the um, the website is uh, beforeyouquit.us. www.beforeyouquit.us, and uh, I've I've got about almost 60 podcasts now and they're all they're all related to uh encouraging people in ministry my audience is i always joke that i only have two listeners but i think it's increased now (laughs) um but the audience is intentionally 
uh, and this probably covers most people, it's pastors, church leaders, and people who love the church. <laughs> you know? So if you love the church, you'll, be, you'll learn from this on how to support your pastor and also understand the phenomena of what pastor life is like, you know, the challenges that, you, that pastors face in ministry. Um, I've had people that are relatively <clears throat> new to church say to me, I never knew that pastors face this stuff. Wow. You know, and it makes me more committed to encourage them and to support them, you know. Yeah. Because uh, generally, like complaint departments and businesses, you only hear the negative right. stuff, you know. <laughs> or if people do a review of a book, they're, if you look at reviews, they're mostly negative, you know. Yeah. It's only your family and friends that went out and put positive things on a, <laughs> on a review. Well, I think your um, listenership is going to grow after this podcast because we're reaching tens of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's encouraging. Yeah, hundred percent more than mine, right? <laughs> yeah, we're reaching ten, <clears throat> tens of people all over the world. Um, so you're it. you're you're focused on pastors, church leaders, and those who love the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, um, if you're out there today and you are uh, in ministry, of course, and you're struggling, uh, we're with you. We understand <laughs> the two guys here who understand somewhat of the struggles of ministry. We don't understand your exact situation, but we do want to offer you a sense of encouragement and a sense of hope. Uh, the calling of God is irrevocable. The Holy Spirit is as present with you today as the day that the Holy Spirit called you into doing this great work. And so, um, Mitch, what encouragement would you give those who are out there? I love your podcast, Before You Quit. Mm-hmm. Um, what encouragement would you give a pastor or a church leader or those who love the church be- mm. before they quit? Yeah, thanks Thanks for the opportunity for, uh, for this, plus to close out with that. Um, I, I guess don't give up. Um, you know, it, it, a quick story. My wife is an example to me of someone who has been unbelievably resilient. And mm-hmm. resilience in, includes or demands adapting. You know, that, that when you when, when life throws uh, a curve or you you hit a, a, a hard, hard situation, uh, God's given you. I mean, the scriptures provide for you a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in you, the, the, gives you the ability to adapt, yeah. and you will not. In fact, the phrase, before you quit, comes from Blaine Allen's book, Before You Quit. And this wow. was a three-day retreat I took where we were ready. In fact, my, my wife still has a letter of resignation that we never gave. It's in the third drawer really? of, her, uh, of her dresser. I saw it there. Uh, she's kept it. Um, and we went for three days to just get away, and that book was on the shelf. It was called Before You Quit. And it was just a review of every servant in the Scripture, Old Testament and New, that God used, and not one of them did not experience hardship. And uh, so the basic idea was, that, hey, before you quit, think about this, that every servant of God goes through hard times, and these are opportunities to lean, to depend. You're not going to lean or depend if you're self-sufficient, you know, if you're just relying on yourself. The, the idea, the notion of depending comes from being dependent, you know, and we need Jesus. We need yeah. his Holy Spirit to sustain us, to give us courage. So, I, 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 you know, bottom line, don't, don't quit. Don't give up. And if you do, it's okay, you know, if you've if you do it, I think they're healthy transitions. Mm-hmm. It's not bad to move on to something else because mm-hmm. pastoring doesn't define you. It doesn't need to define you. Right. I've seen some guys who are more effective now in some other vocation. It's still ministry vocation. Yeah. And uh, you can still serve. In fact, you have more access to unbelievers sometimes if you're not pastoring. So if that's your passion, exactly. then God sometimes will transition you to that. And it's okay. It's okay to do that. It's okay. 
What a word of encouragement that every servant in the Old Testament and New Testament faced difficult times, and many of them wanted to quit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But history bears what fruitful, what faithfulness does. It mm-hmm. provides fruitfulness, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Well, God bless you, Mitch. You've been a blessing to us over the past two weeks, and just your ministry. If you're out there, whether you're in traffic or on the treadmill, and when you're in your prayer time and you don't know what to pray for, pray for Mitch. Pray for Elaine. Pray for their ministry and for the pastors. Uh, only heaven knows the the impact you're having uh, on the kingdom by doing that. And uh, this book, I can't wait to read it. Thank you for giving it to me. Surviving the Fires of Sorrow. Uh, the man that discipled me, John, Dr. John Musselman, uh, I remember specifically he said that we all, all Christians must have a theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a proper theology of suffering, when it hits, you're going to be unprepared mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Not that you can prepare for everything, right? Mm-hmm. But... Um, this book, I can't wait. I can't wait to read it. So, if you want more information from Mitch, uh, I guess you just go to fruitfulvineministry.com. That's correct. That's correct. And the podcast before you quit dot us. And the book is available on Amazon as well. Just type Mitch A. Schultz. And I've I've also written a novel series wow. that uh, relates somewhat to these types of things. I, I wanted good. to. Uh, my joke has come up with a novel way to. Uh, communicate these ideas, and <laughs> so I did it through a book series. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for your time. You are so welcome. If you're a disciple maker or you're thinking about uh, what it would be for you to be a disciple maker and you're looking for resources, please go to 419disciplemakers.org. There's lots of resources for you there, videos, content, encouragement, all kinds of things. And um, let us know what you're thinking about this podcast. If there's way things that we can do to encourage you in a greater way, we want to do that. Uh, or how you've been affected by uh, some of the episodes that you've heard so far. I want to just encourage you again today uh, to go out and live the gospel. The Great Commission is a is the greatest invitation we've ever been given, and that's to, to be in a journey with Jesus and, and affecting the kingdom, affecting the world that we live in for the, for the gospel. And so uh, we just give God praise for today. Thank you. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.